1: only every believer in Christ now listen to me we all as believers in Christ would love and consider one another as true brothers and sisters Then I believe that the church of Christ would flourish and grow much stronger in faith and in unity we need to take this seriously if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ he is your God he's above your mom and dad You are a child of God through the blood of Jesus. That brother and sister who believes in Christ is also your brother and
0: sister in Christ. When we come into this world, we meet our family for the very first time. When we are born again and become children of God, then we get an entirely new family. Pastor Eddie shares that the connection we have with one another in the Spirit goes even deeper than blood. If you loved your church family like you love your earthly family, what would change? Others will know us for our love for one another. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, with today's edition of Running the Race.
1: Misinterpretation and mis-teaching that people would say, oh, that we're all children of God. No, we're not. (laughs) We're all God's creation from Adam, out of the rib of Adam, Eve, we're all God's creation in the garden, but when it comes to the cross through the rib of Christ, when that blood flowed, It was water and blood, the Bible says. When a woman gives birth, what's that? Blood and water, right? It's out of the rib of Christ that we are children of God. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're born again, not of the natural, but born again in the spiritual. So only those who are born spiritually, born again, are born again, are children of God, and they're part of the family of God. And this is why Paul calls them a brother, And when we come to faith, every single one of us, every single one of us uh, have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We're born again. We're born into the family of God. We become brothers and sisters in Christ because the blood of Christ is is the blood of Christ that birthed us into that family, into his family, into the family of God. And to God, and listen to this. Just to see how important, how serious it is when we say we have a brother and sister in Christ. To God, the family is much more greater than relatives. Now, some of you who love your family, you should. You need to understand what God considers family. It is the blood of Christ. Because we're relative, we're born, right, out of the blood from Adam, right, out of the blood of Christ. You can't tell me that the blood of your relative is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not. It's not. Because that's blood that is that blood doesn't give you that's the blood that doesn't give you life. The family of God is united by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's greater. For example, and back in Matthew chapter 12, and Jesus spoke on this several times, in Matthew chapter 12, when, when Jesus was speaking to a multitude, a man came up to Jesus, said, Jesus, your mother and your brother, they want to speak to you. But he obviously couldn't get through the crowd. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 48 to 50, he says, Who is my mother and who is my brother? He doesn't have amnesia. He's asking the question because he's going to give you an answer. And he stretched out his hands towards his disciples and says, Here are my mother, my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I'll take it one step further. At the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross, and he says to his mother, Woman, is it a term of a dear man, as we would say to, to a dad, sir? He's not disrespecting her. He said, Woman, behold thy son. And he's pointed to John, who at this time was about 18 years old. And he says, Behold thy mother, he said to John. John was the only disciple there at the cross. Now, why did Jesus give... John, who's 18 years old, responsibility over his mother. When he had older, he had other brothers. He had siblings, half-brothers, that were much older than John. Just to show you that God trusts the body of Christ when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ is much greater than that of blood. It is the body of Christ. When we get to heaven, we're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not because you were related to your you know, some celebrity or some good, pristine person, or mother and father, just an average Joe—it's because of Jesus Christ. That's much greater. Now, if only every believer in Christ—now, listen to me—we all, as believers in Christ, would love and consider one another as true brother and sister, then I believe that the Church of Christ would flourish and grow much stronger in faith and in unity. We need to take this seriously. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he is your God. He's above your mom and dad. You are a child of God through the blood of Jesus. That brother and sister who believes in Christ is also your brother and sister in Christ. So don't, you know, look at, oh yeah, it's a religious term. Ah eh, yeah, he's my brother Can we go to church. No. You may look at it that way, but that's not the way the Bible teaches it. That's not the way God looks at it. So Peter was a fellow brother, okay? Secondly, he not only was a brother, but he was a minister of God. Now, the word minister in the Greek is diakonos, where we get the English word deacon, and it means servant, to serve. That's what a mess with the word minister means, to serve, Unlike many false ministers today, they love the title. They love to be served and expect to be served. That's not what a minister is. A minister is one who serves people. First to serve God, and as he serves God, he is serving people. Today, we have the term and the office of a minister backwards. The minister is a servant. He is to serve God as he serves the people. Jesus said, In Matthew chapter 20 verse 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he went beyond serving man. He went beyond serving the world. He served to the full capacity, even death on the cross. That's what servant is. And so Paul, I mean, Paul considers uh, uh, Timothy as a fellow minister and and even Timothy knew that because he learned from the best. He was alongside Paul, and Paul set the example. That's what Paul said: "Follow me as I follow Christ. Don't follow me as God or as uh, you know an idol or my ways or my philosophy or my teaching. Follow me as I follow Christ." Paul set the example, and so Paul called him a brother, a minister and a fellow laborer, a fellow worker in the gospel. A fellow laborer is one who helps, one who plays the part, one who's a team player. And Timothy was that person. Timothy was a great help to Paul. He was a team player. Whatever you want to do, Paul, and just to show you how serious he was in following Paul in ministry when Paul first met him, He said to Timothy, now Timothy is half Greek and half Jew. So he was half Greek, half Jew. And he said, Timothy, listen, we're going to be ministering because everywhere I go, the first place I hit is the synagogue because, you know, I go to the Jews first, okay? But here's the thing. If you're going to work with me for the sake of the gospel, your your father's Greek, uh, would you be willing to be circumcised? You know, that's... It's painful for a baby. Can you imagine someone that's older? You see, because he was Greek. The Greeks didn't want to deify the body. They didn't believe in that. Timothy didn't argue. He said, sure, for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of, just to show you what people would do for the gospel. That's the right heart. I had a conversation with a a few pastors this past week because, you know, Israel trip has been postponed, been changed. Israel now wants to, in order for you to go to Israel, you need to have the vaccine. I personally don't want the vaccine. I personally don't want it. But here's the thing. As I said to everyone else, if God calls me to Africa, calls me to another country that requires it, I'll take it without a heartbeat. Because look, I know God's going to take care of me. And he, God knows the policies. He knows what to I'm not going to say, well, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to Africa. I'm not going anywhere. Because you know what, Lord? My stand is I won't take the vaccine. Now, I have my personal, again, and I agree with, you know, I don't want to get into the nonsense. But anyhow... You understand what I'm saying? For the sake of the gospel, that's what he did. He didn't compromise. He didn't change things of scripture. No, he did it for the gospel. This is the kind of man Timothy was. Timothy was a team player. As a matter of fact, Paul considered him like a son. In 1 Timothy, when he wrote his first epistle to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, he says, To Timothy, a true son in the faith. This is towards the end of Paul's ministry a true son of it because Timothy was like-minded with Paul. He said, he's like a son. Not only, not only did his mom and, and, and not only did he and his mom, you know, surrendered their life to Christ and I led them to the Lord, but he became my protege. He became my disciple. He became a minister of the faith with me. He became a team player, brother in Christ. Now he, he's like a son. I seen him grow in his faith. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, For I have no one like-minded. He's referring, you read, the, you read the whole passage. He's referring to Timothy. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. This is Timothy, just to show you how much Timothy is, because sometimes we forget the little guy, and he's a humble man, he's a humble humble kid, uh, but there's two epistles in the New Testament, 1st, 2nd Timothy, that was written to him by Paul, and he was definitely, as we can see, a brother in Christ, which we all need to be, a minister, a servant. We all need to be servants. You don't have to be called. You don't have to be called. We're not saying being ordained as a minister. That's different. But we're saying, you minister, we share one another. And a fellow laborer, we serve together in Christ. This is what everybody in the church should be doing. You can't sit back and say, oh, well, that's not me. That's for somebody else. Oh, God would tell me. God would show me. You know, when Christ comes, the Lord says, blessed is he who when I come is doing. What can you say? Lord, uh, praise the Lord. Thank you. I accept you. Lord, for the Yeah, you're going to go to heaven. Yeah, you're going to get rewards and some awards, but What were you doing? What were you doing for the kingdom? What can you actually put in your heavenly spiritual resume when you did on earth? I mean, think about it. What? It's important to examine. We need to be like this, and that's why Paul points this out. But Timothy, I just want to give you the meaning of his name. Timothy means honoring God. That's what it means, honoring God. Timotheus is another way of pronouncing it. Uh, Tim, Timothy, so if you know anyone named Tim, let him know. Honoring God. How do you know that? It's in the Bible. So anyway, uh, and Timothy surely honored God with his life. So let's look at verse 2. We, we're, we're really moving. Verse 2. Verse 2. He said, And I sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow brother in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith. The word established here. In the Greek, it's the words sterizo, which we get the word steroids, right? The English word steroids. And that's what he's trying to say, to establish them to the point where they're strengthened to make strong in their faith. And so uh, that is the heart of Paul. And this word will be repeated again in verse 13 at the very end. So Paul wanted to establish, strengthen them, to encourage them in the faith. They've been born again. They've been saved. But now they need to be, be built up in the faith. Now, just in case, I don't want to pass over this because we start hearing the word faith so quite often. But what is the meaning of faith? What is faith? There is, I think, the best definition is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is the definition of faith. The faith is this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. (laughs) You can't see it. That's the point. That's what faith is all about. You have faith that the chairs that you're sitting on is going to hold you, right? You never thought about it, right? Faith in the Lord, evidence of things not seen. People always say, oh, no, no, when I see it, I believe it. That's not biblical, by the way. And maybe the enemy have created that phrase so that people can live by that phrase and ignore God and have faith in God. Have faith in Christ is not until I see it, I believe it, no, with Christ, you need to believe to see. That is the right way. To say that I need to see to believe it, that's backwards. But we're so accustomed to it. And we hear people say that. When it comes to God, that's not the way it is. That, is. that is faith, the things we hope for. We hope to be in heaven. Where's the proof and evidence of that? Jesus Christ. Where's the proof of Jesus? You believe. Were you there when Jesus was on the cross? No. Were you there to examine the empty tomb? No. But you believe. And your belief is greater than the belief of those that actually witnessed the crucifixion and the resurrection. Christ, believe it or not. Think about this. You probably say, I wish I was there to see that. I wish I was there to see my Lord crucified, die. I wish I was there. I wish I was there to go into the empty tomb. But you know what? According to Jesus, those that did not see, believe. That's what Jesus told Thomas. Remember doubting Thomas? It's until I touch him, until I put my finger on his wounds on his side, then I'll believe. This is what, what Thomas said. But I love what Jesus said after that because that encourages you and I today. Jesus said, Thomas, you believe because you see. But blessed are those who have not seen and believe. You're blessed. And that's what Jesus said. But we believe because we know, right? And, and this, is, this is the way it works with the faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible. Not only faith in Christ, now that you have faith in Christ, you need to continue in faith. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and he, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, to not have faith, to doubt is a sin. It's a sin. Now, I used to say, well, sin, you know. I know committing adultery is sin. But not believing in God is a sin. What's the opposite? of faith. I believe that God is who he says he is. I believe in the promises he has. I believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I believe him crucified and rose again. I believe he's coming again. And I believe that I'm going to be with him eternally. And as we live this life here, I believe that what? What is it? Um... Romans 8.28, I I have it later on, don't worry, we'll do it again. All things work together for good, right. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. You need help with faith? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, look unto who? Jesus, who is why? He's the author and finisher of your faith. You started faith with Jesus. You gave your life to the Lord. And what does Philippians says, is Philippians chapter 2, it says, he who has began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you when you first got saved will complete it until the day of Christ. So when you give your life to the Lord, it is because of him, that faith. He's with you. He's the author of your life because of that faith and he's going to complete it as you live your life here on earth unto the day of Christ when you stand before him. So when is he going to st- step away from you? Never, by the way. But when you, he's the author and finisher of faith. When you finish you're going to be in the presence of God. It's because Christ has been with you at the beginning. He's the author and he's the finisher of your faith. And Paul, he wanted to establish them in the faith. That was his heart. So he he wanted them to build, be built up. Now that you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ, you believe in Christ, now let me help with this faith as you move on in your walk. Verse 2, to establish you and encourage you, he's sending Timmy, concern concerning your faith. Verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. We're appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know... This is not a, you know, a, good, a feel-good message. You won't hear this from the TV evangelist, but this is what Paul teaches all the time. His life was a living proof of that. And so without faith in Christ, you will never be able to stand firm in the midst of persecution. That's why you need faith. Without faith, you will never be able to stand firm in the midst of persecution, suffering, tribulation. You will be shaken. That's why I said we shouldn't be shaken by these things. You shouldn't. We shouldn't be shaken by the persecution the church is having. Again, we don't know here in America, in the West, what persecution is. But little by little, churches are being attacked. The scripture here, he's speaking to solid Christians. Those are the ones that are not going to be shaken. This, This passage here is not referring to the cardinal Christian, lukewarm Christian, or those who believe they're Christian by birth. The true sincere Christian, genuine Christian will suffer persecution. That is the reality. A man had a dream about this big, gray demon, and the demon was just killing people, killing people, and he's standing right in the center of it, and somehow this demon would pass by him, and then it just ignored him and started killing people and killing people. And he kept on, started kept killing and killing until he stopped killing. He looked at him directly, and he left and walked away. And this man said that his dream was to prove that That dream was telling him that the reason why the demon didn't destroy him because he wasn't a threat to the demon. If you're not a threat to Satan in this world, he's not going to bother you. He's only going to bother those who are a threat. Think about it. How many of us share the gospel, and there's always an obstacle there? The enemy is right there. How many times do you realize you go to church, and what happened is Sunday morning? Junior can't find his other shoe, right? And after you dress little Susie, she got juice all over her dress. And then you go in the car, and now you're yelling at each other, and you come to church like, ah, and then you probably turn around and go home. Every time you want to do something, Lord. When we started prayer, prayer night service, that's when we were being attacked. <laughs> we were being attacked left and right. My home, personally, everything was was going in his wits. You know, my hot water heater busted. My water thing busted. My AC had to be repaired. The refrigerator, thank God I bought warranty on that one. But that was going. And now, yesterday, the dishwasher. I mean, it's like, really? Come on. It's like, unbelievable. Can't wait to go to heaven. Let's worry about this stuff. But the reality is, that's what happens. But you know what? God is going to be with us and he's in control. Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, he says, yes, all who desire to live godly, those who desire to be, live godly, not just Christians, a plain Christian, a you know, plain church, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so it's going to happen. So Paul says here in verse 3, we're appointed to this. And in verse 4, he says, we told you before that when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation. Did not Jesus say this himself? John uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, in this world, you will, not maybe, you will have tribulation. You and I and every believer in Jesus Christ, will suffer, has suffered, or are gonna continue to suffer persecution, one way or another. Because that is a fact. Satan is the prince of this world. He is real. And he knows his time is short. He still has a bag of tricks up and he has tricks up his sleeve. He's out to deceive. Okay? But what do we have with us? We have Jesus Christ, right? Again, I'm gonna give you this verse again. Hebrews twelve two looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith in the midst of persecution we have faith we have faith that jesus christ sits on the throne in the midst of persecution we have faith that christ is in control we have faith that christ will help us we have faith that christ will sustain us christ will keep us we have faith that his word and his word alone tells us at the very end we win revelation i got some amens here that's okay we win at the end okay Jesus, let me give you the entire verse of John six, John chapter sixteen, verse thirty-three. Jesus said, "These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer; I have overcome the world." Okay.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and applicable things in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Toward the end of this book, there are some verses that might be viewed as a test or a challenge depending on what you're going through. The author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything to give thanks. Do you have much to be thankful and grateful for today? Be reminded that Jesus coming back someday is the greatest reason to rejoice. It's a hope that you can hold on to when the rest of the world is hopeless. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you
1: need, visit RunningTheRaceRadio.com and click on the Back to homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is RunningTheRaceRadio.com
0: Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at RunningTheRaceRadio.com We're so glad you tuned in today and we look forward to the next edition of Running the Race.